Learn the most advanced recruiting techniques. Land the most desirable talent. Launch your company towards massive success. This is the Higher Power Radio Show with Rick Gerard. Today we're talking about trials and tribulations of finding the right technical leader for your company. Entrepreneurs often have the, uh, the challenge of a great idea and then end up trying to figure out how to build it. I'm Rick Gerard, and welcome to the Higher Power Radio Show. Our mission is to discuss and deconstruct insights from top-performing entrepreneurs and industry experts. Every week, we uncover tested, tactical solutions to solve your company's toughest hiring challenges. Today, our guest is Scott Krawitz, the CEO and founder of People Driven Solutions, which is a technology services firm specializing in fractional technology leadership, curated technology solutions, along with talent acquisition and retention. Scott is an expert in today's subject, and which is why I wanted to have him on the show. Scott, welcome to the Higher Power Radio Show today. Excellent. Thank you for having me, Rick. Really appreciate it. Absolutely. So we're going to cover two things today. We're going to we're going to cover why it's important to have a strong technical leader. Mm-hmm. Um, I focus mainly on tech, but you you service a lot of companies that are kind of outside of tech as well, mm-hmm. um, as well as how to get a strong leader of your company. Hmm. So let's let's start by talking about really what a strong technical leader is. Sure, sure. Thanks for asking. So, uh, you know, with with any particular leadership role, you're looking at three major buckets, right? Strategic, managerial, and tactical. Now, when it, when it comes to technology leadership, we really like to have our technology leaders just in the first two buckets, strategic and managerial. If you, A lot of companies uh, make the mistake of trying to have their technology leadership do tactical tasks, Sure, and it's, it can be really distracting. So in the strategic and managerial, what makes a great technology leader? Well, first, I think you need to look at technical acumen. Is it someone that's actually paying attention to the latest technical trends? Do they have a decent network of folks that they're sharing ideas with? Are they in tune with, with a particular market? Um, in addition, we'd be looking for, for business acumen as well. Do they understand how a company is run both internally and externally? Do they understand the notion of a product, how it's priced, what the market will bear? And the, uh, the final piece I'd say that makes a, a great technology leader is going to be emotional intelligence. Sure. The ability to connect not only with technology staff, but also with the C-suite to really um, help them move their strategy forward. Yeah, and I think another thing to really to take into consideration here is at what stage is the company's at, right? Exactly. So let's talk a little bit about that because um, I tend to service startups. Mm-hmm. Uh, most of the companies that I, I deal with are tech-related startups, and mm-hmm. so it's really important that they have a really strong technical leader. Mm-hmm. Um, but um, so for a small company, mm-hmm. right, what, what would be your take on on why you think that what or what that leader should look like for them? Because it, it really does need to be more tactical at that point. Sure, yeah, great question. Well, we like to divide technology into two key landscapes. The first would be what we call the customer journey. Sure. So from the first time a customer hears about your company through the time that they become a raving fan, how are they interacting with technology? How is technology either improving that journey or taking away from it? Um, and then the other side of it would be what we call the business agility layer. So in essence, what technology is being used to actually run the business, whether it's a CRM for marketing, HRIS for keeping employment records, 
or a general ledger program like QuickBooks? Mm-hmm. What is the technology that's in use there? So the thing is, these days, smaller businesses have a need for both of those. Yeah. But the question is, where do you hire the leadership? Do and you hire the leadership? don't know that most of the time, too. It, exactly, yeah. exactly. So in a smaller company, perhaps you'd be looking for more like a, a Jack or Jane of all trades sure. to oversee that. And then they can bring in perhaps um, contract resources or other vendors to support execution. Sure. Okay. So with a, a smaller startup in in Part of our audience is entrepreneurs, mm-hmm. right? And yeah. I, I have people come up to me every once in a while and, and say, look, at I got this great idea. Yeah. Um, I'm having a really hard time finding a technical person to build it for me. Mm-hmm. I think at that point, you're looking for somebody who's kind of tactical and somebody who can a little bit more than the other pieces, right? Yeah, potentially. So um, you could look for someone that has the capability to build it out. Yeah. But what what we find is that if that person is focused on on building and they're not focused on product market fit, they're not focused on the other things, they could be building something that, um, you know, maybe backs them into a corner later or isn't having the most value. So uh, one way to address that, you know, could be from a fractional perspective. I mean, these days, I don't know that you need someone full time. But um, yeah, I mean, we do see a lot of startups looking for um, you know, technologists that can't execute. Yeah. So maybe what I'm talking about really is, mm-hmm. is, uh, in, as I'm thinking about it and we're talking, mm-hmm. that's not really a leader. I mean, right. that's just somebody, that's an individual contributor. If Correct. You're to do that, yes. Right? Well said. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So let's talk about some of the mistakes that we see companies at various levels, um, make when they're looking for a CTO or a technical leader. Hmm. Yeah. Right. Great question. So, uh, the first we see is not understanding the need clearly. So again, we're talking about the customer journey. That would be the external facing technology mm-hmm. and then the uh, the internal technology, the business agility layer. So in larger firms, you would see, uh, for example, a chief information officer, a CIO, yeah. would really be the one that's responsible for more of the internal technology. Yeah, like and a CTO would be the, the customer facing. All right, so a lot of times in small to mid-sized companies, those get collapsed, but the, uh, the companies are not uh, defining it clearly. Sure. So say, for example, they'll bring in a, a CTO they think is going to cover everything, but this person is really focused on building a great software delivery engine. Yeah. But then they ignore everything on the inside. Yeah, on the operational side. Yeah, or they bring in someone who's really more operational, doesn't have experience on the outside, and then the software development fails. So I think it's really important to clearly define what the need is. Yeah, and so if you are a tech company, you really want to focus the need primarily on the product side. Yes. That's the main core of your business first. Mm. that that. That's my take on it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, definitely. It's if, if that's your key revenue stream, you have to be focused on that. Uh, what I would say, though, is we've even seen smaller companies where as the company scales, um, delivery can quickly become an issue. Yeah. So, for example, if you don't have the right billing systems in place or the right customer service systems in place, then you have a technologist that's growing revenue and growing this company, and then the company is going to fail on the delivery side. So uh, Yeah, that's true. I, that's I agree true. with you that, yeah, yeah, I mean, the focus should be, but I think they always need to have an eye towards how do you actually support delivery. So um, delivery, though, so let's, let's kind of talk about, because I'm thinking CIO is a little bit more on the internal operation systems, mm-hmm. whereas maybe just an ops, you know, just mm-hmm. an ops person would be handling all those systems, right? Sure. Yeah. Great question. So um, internally, with, with the business agility and the internal things, we see not only applications in use by every business unit, but there's also security is a big concern to, uh, to folks these days. Yeah. Um, you know, managed service providers to take care of all the infrastructure. You're talking about cloud storage. You're talking business intelligence. Yeah. Everybody has metrics and they want dashboards, Security. Right? Security. Yeah, yeah. I mean, there's, there's so much, so much going on that, uh, 
a lot of times, you know, an ops person uh, will, will need some additional help there. Yeah, most definitely. So are there CTOs that are, are good functioning CIOs and vice versa? You can find them. Uh, like most other areas, think about medicine. I mean, your general practitioner is not going to be the the optimal psychiatrist. Maybe they can diagnose a little depression here or there, sure. right? So you're going to be you're going to be um, sacrificing a little bit. But yes, there are CTOs that can that can handle both for a smaller company. Yeah. Okay. So, and we'll we'll get into some of the solutions on the second part of the show. But okay. All right. So, what are some other like? Okay. So, at a small company range. Uh, I mean, I think you really want to focus in on, on the product development first mm -hmm. and then start building out the systems for delivery, right? Correct, yes. Mid-sized companies, mm -hmm. what are some of the issues that you've seen with, with, with something that's in the you know, 50 to $100 million range or what have you? Sure, sure. Then I think the focus uh, becomes uh, equally strong on the operational side. Yeah. So 50 to uh, $100 million, maybe you're talking like somewhere around like, a, like 100 plus employees. Um, then, you know, security becomes a concern. Collaboration. Uh, cloud. Maybe you're talking about multiple locations now, right? Yeah. So I think really, uh, you know, we see we see a lot of issues in that area. Yeah, you know, it's funny. I was at an Octane event this morning. Uh, they do a copy of the Cove every month, and they had a um, expert on industrial security hmm. who was talking about kind of really now pulling in uh, critical systems mm -hmm. into that as well. Right. Um, these are all little pieces that as a as a company becomes more, um, more, more functional. I mean, you've got to be on top of these things. Mm. Yeah, it's interesting. So, you know, from a strategic perspective, we say that the strategy falls into four key buckets. Mm -hmm. The company's either trying to increase revenue, decrease expenses, maximize efficiency, or maintain compliance. So depending on the industry, depending on the size of the company, um, those become bigger and bigger initiatives. Yeah. So if you have 100 employees and you want to you save money, you could be talking about implementing a major enterprise system yeah. to drive it. Or if you're talking an uh, industry that has compliance at play, now you have that many more points of risk across the company to manage. Oh, sure. Yeah. Well, you always have compliance issues, though, I mean, from from one side or the other, right? Yeah, definitely. And I think it's it's industry-specific as well. Yeah. Like, I mean, for example, if you're dealing with, say, like, like SOC 2 compliance for financial services or SOCs, I mean, PCI and healthcare, you have HIPAA. Yeah. So, you know, there's two types of, of compliance, right? You have voluntary and involuntary. Sure. And, uh, you know, so in industries where it's involuntary, um, it's it's a lot more of a concern as you scale. Yeah. So which would be the financial services and, and uh, healthcare? Healthcare primarily, yes. Okay. Mm -hmm. Now, do you do any work on the large company side of things? So we do. We uh, we we've done some talent acquisition and some uh, some software development projects in the larger company uh, side of the house. Typically, find over over fifty million dollars. Uh, a company would really benefit from having its own internal technology leadership. Yeah. Uh, but what happens there is the technology landscape gets so vast that even though they have their own internal capabilities, they're always looking to augment it with uh, with some specialists to help them along. Sure. Okay. Yeah. So they, they can use kind of fractional help at that point. Correct. Yes. Yeah, got it. Because it seems to, to me like you've got a lot more you when you're a larger company. I don't do a whole lot of work with larger companies. Mm -hmm. Most of the companies I support are startups to mid-sized companies. Okay. Um, and for me, those are the most fun because I yeah. love to build things. And they need me because I like to fix broken things. Right. Um, so, skill. yeah. Right. <laughs> or I break them. But where's, right? <laughs> There's the fun. I know. When you've got that big of a department, I mean, you can you can actually have people that are specifically niched into certain areas, right? Mm. Yeah, we like to look at it sort of like healthcare. 
Like it used to be that you'd go to your general practitioner, they would take care of everything. Sure. But now it's almost like they're acting like like an advocate in the healthcare system and there's a specialist for everything. Yeah. Definitely the way that technology is trending as well. Um, so key for organizations, especially larger ones, to be able to pull in that specialist talent, whether it's for something like a business intelligence implementation yeah. or a really discreet security audit, something where they may not have that talent in-house. Yeah, definitely. But on the small company side, what I see a lot is, um, and this just comes down to general hiring. Mm -hmm. If you're hiring a technical leader, you really want to find somebody who's passionate about the project you're working on, as well as somebody who... Um, can bring the skills to at least get that product done. Exactly, exactly. We find that the the best technologists, I mean, you know, you pay enough money to take it off the table, but really they want to work on, no better way to put it, a, a cool project. Yeah. Something that's going to make a difference, right? Yeah. Something that can actually help them achieve their why as well. Yep, yeah. exactly. Stretch. Stretch, yeah. exactly. Well you, said. You, mess in, uh, you mentioned, um, oh God, what was it when we spoke earlier? You oh, Daniel Pink? Yeah, Daniel yeah. Pink, right? Yeah, exactly. So that is... Um, that's key. If, yeah. if, if you've given somebody a room to master something new, mm -hmm. fantastic. Yeah, big yeah, fan yeah. of Daniel Pink. Like, yeah, the autonomy, mastery, and purpose, <clears> right? Yep. A place where you can hire adults and not micromanage them, the ability to master something, and the ability to connect to, to something bigger. In fact, we find a lot of times, uh, you know, companies can benefit by not just putting together a flat job description, mm -hmm. but uh, basically connecting stories. Sure. What's the story of the candidate? What's the story of the company? Why now? Why do they need this technology leadership? And you know what? So we're going to do a show in a couple months about job descriptions because that's like a big thing for me. I love oh, it. Um, that, that's really, a, um, I think, a, a, a place where most companies fail. Right. You know, most of them. I agree. So we're talking to Scott Crow, Scott Crow yeah. CEO and founder of People Driven Solutions. So we're talking a little bit about um, why it's important to have a strong technical leader. And when we come back, we're going to actually talk about how to get a strong technical leader to join your company. We'll be right back after the break. You're listening to Hire Power with Rick Gerard, giving you access to recruiting techniques that will help you hire key talent to build your company towards real success. Rick is a recruiting executive and entrepreneur who's been successfully recruiting in the aggressive Silicon Valley technology landscape for the past two decades. After a very successful stint at Apogee, he founded Stride Search in 2012. Based on a lean efficiency model, Stride has uniquely positioned itself as a leader in retained search for the most critical talent hires within a small organization. Whether you're a startup executive or recruiting professional, by listening to Hire Power with Rick Gerard, you will walk away with skills to help you attract and hire great talent. Now back to Hire Power with Rick Gerard. And welcome back to the show. Uh, I'm your host, Rick Gerard, and you're listening to Higher Power Radio. Our guest today is Scott Krowitz, CEO and founder of People Driven Solutions in San Diego. Yes. Right? Correct. And you guys do work uh, nationwide. Nationwide. Yeah. Hey, so all you guys in Ohio, you know who to call. <laughs> there you go. All right. So we just discussed kind of the importance of finding a strong technical leader for your company. And now we're going to explore uh, different options on how, how to do that. So... Uh, let's break down for, you know, so when you do an assessment of a company, let's break down how you identify what's the best option for that company. Mm, understood. So, yeah, a couple couple drivers there. First, we um, we like to look uh, at the company's strategy. Sure. Again, so as we mentioned uh, in the previous segment, uh, what are they doing to increase revenue, decrease expenses, maximize efficiency, and maintain compliance? Um, you know, are they looking to generate a new revenue stream? Are they looking to save money in a particular area? Sure. And, and what, what are the plans? Are they looking to 
acquire other companies? Are they looking to be acquired? Right? Uh, are they looking to partner? Are they looking to integrate? Where are they looking to go? Sure. All that would inform the uh, the type of technology leadership that would be needed, both in the in the short term and the long term. Okay. So let's break it down. So you you, you can bring in somebody uh, starting as a, a small company at the founder level. Correct. So what would be appropriate to bring on? I mean, typically when a tech company is founded, mm-hmm. um, usually it's founded by a technical person who. Mm-hmm actively kind of maintains that CTO type role right. until they replace them or right. they outgrow, uh-huh. right? So um, when is it appropriate as a small company to to bring in somebody as a founder? Great question. So, you know, in successful companies, we've seen, Rick, uh, there's this notion of the visionary and the integrator, Sure. right? So uh, as you say, let's say you have a technical founder acting as both the visionary and the integrator. Um, usually you could see a breaking point where Sure. Uh, the, the founder is trying to crank out so much code that they don't have enough time to attend to the rest of the business, whether it's you know raising funds or hiring people or anything like that. So when, when you see that as kind of a breaking point, it's time for them to take on the role of uh, visionary and bring someone else in to be integrator. So it, it, it really yeah. varies based on the state of the organization. Yeah, I would agree. And, and you know what I see with entrepreneurs sometimes is they find somebody who's kind of junior who's not really that um, that's strong, right. and they'll try and bring them in and give them a founding title. Mm-hmm. Big mistake. Yeah, I, 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 I've never heard of that working out for a company. Have yeah. you? No, I've not. Okay. I've not. Yeah. So I mean, a fractional person might be a better option for them. Um, okay. So, at what point uh, does a small company then hire on a CTO as an employee? Mm, great question. So uh, you know, in our vision, um, a lot of companies under the fifty million mark may not necessarily need a, a full-time CTO. They just need somebody to manage and lead the process, which could be a VP or... Yeah, so yeah. you know, back to our back to our strategic managerial and tactical buckets, yeah. they don't really need someone full-time strategic. Uh, they probably need someone, uh, depending on the state of the company, you know, that could be a full-time uh, managerial and tactical. Yeah. Um, but you know, the issue is if you try to stretch someone too far, who's more of like just a contributor or, or sort of a line manager, to be more visionary and help the company get where it needs to go, you could really, you know, fall flat. That's so, a great point. Yeah, that's a great point. You want to stretch, provide stretch, but not not, not the expense where, of like your growth. Yeah, right? exactly. So, yeah, so I think that's where a fraction. There's a part where it can be completely overwhelming to that person. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. So you know, we've seen a lot of situations where actually bringing in a fractional can have multiple benefits because that fractional can then coach up perhaps a director or a VP and help them elevate their game. Meanwhile, a fractional can work with the C-suite to make sure that the technology dollars and delivery are aligned with their mission and where they're headed. Okay, so let's define fractional, which mm-hmm. is basically a, somebody coming in on a contract basis mm-hmm. and essentially putting in a certain amount of time to make sure that you're getting your projects done. Correct. Um, so just going back to the bucket, strategic, managerial, tactical, a fractional CTO would be mostly... Uh, strategic, maybe 10% or so, um, managerial as far as coaching up. Um, and you're looking typically, what we found is organizations up to 50 million, 10 to 30 hours per month. So, you know, it's someone who can come in, assess the situation, put together a roadmap that's going to basically look at all the risks the company's exposed to, mm-hmm. all the opportunities they could take advantage of, and then basically come up with, uh, with a number of initiatives that are going to help to uh, move the company in that direction. So, we're really thinking about the CTO moving from uh, almost from 
yeah, definitely away from tactical mm-hmm. um, at the at the small company level to, to more the strategic. Right, right. That's that's a benefit of fractionals. You can get basically just the pure strategy that yeah. the company needs to at least uh, steer the right direction without hiring someone full time early on. So, how do you get the right person? Mm, that's a great question. So, um, you know, like hiring most talent, there's uh, there's yeah. a number of sliders you look at. Um, so, you know, what we find it's all about it all it's all about fit. Yeah. If you have someone again that doesn't have that emotional intelligence, that can't communicate with the rest of the C-suite, then you know they end up just getting viewed as some like a uh, you know IT person yeah. versus a true technology strategist. So I mean, fit fit is uh, first and foremost number one. Wait, uh, did you like cultural fit is what we're saying, right? Yes, cultural. I say that because our engineer Paul hates the word culture. Okay. And I just <laughs> love to just stick that knife in whenever I can. Yeah. Well done. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Yeah. So cultural fit, uh, industry is important. Yeah. Uh, we do see though a lot of times that sometimes uh, founders or companies are fixated on a particular industry. Mm-hmm. We also like to uh, challenge folks to extend a little bit and think about analogous industries, complementary industries where CTOs can bring in experience that uh, may help a company innovate, even if it's not directly from that industry. So when we're going through the fractional process, mm-hmm. right? Um, what, what's the, what's the actual, how important is the culture fit at that point? I would say, I would say it's pretty critical because when you're talking strategy, you're talking someone who's a trusted advisor. And so if they can't have an open line of communication and mutual respect from the rest of the C-suite, the CEO, CFO, COO, it's, it's going to be quite a challenge to, to achieve anything. But, but they're also not part of the organization fully. Communication, I would separate out communication from the cultural piece because they're not really contributing to the culture so much, right? Well, to some extent, because it, it, it depends on, you know, how much of, say, for example, the development organization exists. Yeah. If, if it's a company that's just adding a software development, uh, you know, competency, then they could really help to drive, you know, who are the other leaders that will be hired internally? What's the culture of that development organization? Is it one of accountability, one of innovation? or one where it's basically just going to be very top-down, like a factory. Got it. Okay. Yeah. We're, we're getting close here. So let, let's yeah. lastly kind of, um, I want to leave our listeners with a plan of action on how to how to kind of provide the right ingredients hmm. to find the right person as, as, as a CTO. So what would you say would be kind of like the top two or three things that they could that they should be looking for in order for them to identify the right person for their role? Yeah, great question. Happy to share. So... Uh, what I would do is the first thing they need to do is actually assess their technology landscape. And again, I think the easiest way to, to do that is to divide it into, again, the customer journey and the business agility later. You know, if they could just think uh, as critically as possible about, you know, what systems are currently in place and how are they supporting or not supporting, uh, both from the outside, what the customer sees, and then on the inside, what the, what the employees or partners are using, right? So if there's no systems in place. Uh-huh. If there's no yeah, systems in place, then let's take the customer journey. Yeah. Uh, they can look at, you know, again, from the first time a customer hits a website, through the time that they place an order, through the time that they're invoiced, through the time that they're supported and, uh, and kept in touch with. What, what, what does that look like currently? Yeah. What would it look like ideally? Um, and then once, once the, uh, you know, the C-suite has that in mind, that's something that they can use to generate uh, you know, the need for the role. And say, look, these are the characteristics. This is what we're working on. We want someone who has experience with this part of the journey, for example. Got it. Yeah. I, I love the journey reference because mm-hmm. it just makes me think of, I watched Narnia over the weekend, of uh-huh. course. Uh, Excellent. <laughs> <laughs> my daughter. And again, I, I want to kind of stretch, you know, with a smaller company, if you're looking to bring on a founding member or 
a, a CTO slash VP of engineering or a technical leader. I, I think really the most important piece that that entrepreneurs and, and companies need to look out for is really how much passion the person has for the project mm -hmm. and effectively how well they communicate. Right. Like like you just said, right? Definitely. I think culture is definitely, you know, seventy five percent of why you should hire somebody. Exactly. So um I I found that again I've run into a lot of entrepreneurs where they've got a, a person doing part time work and they're behind three months in a project because right. they have another job. Right. And it's just um man, it's just that creates a lot of stress. Mm. And and that person probably doesn't have the passion for that. So they're probably not putting what needs to go into it in order for that that company to really be successful. Right, right. I think it's this, it's this realization. I see a lot of um, founders, you know, think that they can hire someone who can who can code, and that person is just going to build out the company. Yeah. You know, I think that's someone who say, for example, never built a house before, and they go and hire a, a carpenter and electrician, and just hope that the thing's going to be done in like three months, right? Or, or building a house without having a foundation. Without having a foundation, yeah. exactly. So I mean, understanding that it's. It's a competency like any other, like your finance department, your marketing department. You need the right leadership driving that. Yeah, that's yeah. so very true. So passion for the project, skills to back it. Mm -hmm. And then I, I think you have to be able to provide some stretch. Not too much, but yeah. Right, exactly. Spot on. Yeah, well said. All right, so we're just about out of time for today's show. Um, Scott, thanks again for your time investment. Well, thank and you, uh, welcome to the Higher Power Radio community. It's, it's great thank to you. have you. Appreciate it. Excellent. Now, I'm sure that there's some of our listeners who could who's use your expertise. Mm -hmm. What would be the best way for them to reach you? Oh, they can reach out. Uh, just go to our website, peopledriven.co. Uh, peopledriven.co. And uh, just, just contact us through there. We'd be happy Sp to help. Spell it out. just uh... Sure. It's P E O P L E D R I V E N.co. Peopledriven.co. We'd okay. be happy to chat. All right. Perfect. And um, if somebody wants to reach out to you, what would, would be an ideal client for you? Uh, sure. Our ideal clients are usually uh, three to four million in revenue on the low end, up to about 50 or 60 million revenue on the high end. Industry agnostic, we have a great network of fractional CTOs, a great uh, delivery network of close to about 300 solution providers for software development, security, CRM, things of that nature. Um, so yeah, most any company doing somewhere between uh, three to five million up to about 50 million. Excellent. Okay. So I want to thank our listening audience for tuning in to today's episode of Higher Power Radio. A quick thanks to our team, our engineer, Paul Roberts, our producers, Andrea Ballin, Shanti Ryle, and our executive producer, Kim Iverson. To listen to this show and any past episodes, you could check us out on Hire, that's H-I-R-E, PowerRadio.com, or Higher Power Radio on iTunes. You can follow us on LinkedIn and Facebook at Higher Power Radio Show, again, H-I-R-E, or follow me on Twitter at Rick underscore Gerard. It's G-I-R-A-R-D. Uh, we have another great show lined up for you guys next week, which is actually our last show of the year. Our guest is going to be the millennial whisperer, Dr. Dina Brown. I know I thought you'd get a nice, kick out great. of it. Yeah. She's an executive director and certified speaker, coach, and trainer for the John Maxwell team. I'm your host, Rick Gerard, and you have been listening to the Higher Power Radio Show. Thank you for listening to Higher Power with Rick Gerard on OC Talk Radio.